This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. everybody and welcome to episode number 14 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben and I'm joined by Gary as ever. Are you all right, mate? Not bad, mate. Not bad at all. How are you? Uh, yeah, you know, surviving, living the dream, all the other canned responses that, that come out of my mouth when that question's asked these days. Yeah, so, standard answers, aren't they? It's uh, yeah. In actual fact, it's a little bit little bit of shit, isn't it? It's dark when you go to work and it's dark when you come home again. And when you work from home, basically, it's it's a weird feeling, to be honest. You feel like you miss out on the day. You don't leave the house. And yeah, odd. I'm not complaining about working from home, though. It's great. Don't have to meet people. So. I wish I could. Um, but yes, yeah, so anyway, yeah, um, we'll, we'll jump in, uh, as we normally do, with uh, Saturday's... Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a great win, really. It was a really good game of football uh, against Northampton. I think we um, we made a good account of ourselves, particularly in the first half. I know you've you've mentioned that in the uh, in, in the piece on the site, and it was um, I, I thought it was a, a cracking game of, of football. Two teams that that wanted to win it. I think you've said about in there about you know having a bit of a pantomime villain in in Van Veen and um, his his antics afterwards. Uh, I think it was it was just a great first round FA Cup tie um, that we were. I think we were deserving to come out on the right side of it. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think anyone who wants to listen back to the podcast, just in case they doubt that I know my stuff, um, will hear me say that it would be an open game of football against two teams that didn't have points to drop. Um, I called it three um, two on Twitter as well before, and it went exactly as I thought. Thought first half we played with um, almost with the shackles off. It, it looked to me like it was there was no pressure. There was I, we were still keeping it tight. You know what I mean? But I, I just thought that it, it was one of the more confident performances this season. Uh, my old man sat next to me for the game. Said he thought it was the best we'd played all season. That's going some. Um, but it was great, and uh, you know we we scored. Um, we scored a decent goal, really good goal. In fact, well worked in that uh, in that first half. A little backheel from Andrade, Toff overlapping, great cross. Uh, Harry coming in, you know, it was. You see that and you think, well, there's the goal of the game. 
Um, mm. and, and then there's two more that trump it. And I think the big debate is which, which was actually the best goal of the game. But kind of going back away from that, yeah, we let it slip a bit. Northampton came back in. They're a really good side. Yeah, we call we said that in the pod as well. Kevin Van Veen is a top striker at this level. Um, and I love the pantomime. I love getting angry at him. I love seeing everybody going boo and calling him everything <laughs> under the sun, especially when we win 3-2. Yeah. I mean when that when that third one went in, it was it was just quite amusing to watch. It was almost like everyone was focused on on Bruno and then as he started to run back, you you could almost see the the heads turn towards Van Veen and just start to, you know, go right. What am I going to say here? And inevitably, a lot of it was, you know, a few four-letter words thrown at him, really. But uh, yeah, I did, yeah I'd... I didn't think about Van Veen at all when we scored, not for a second. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, let's let's just talk about that that first goal in particular, because, like you say, it was one of those where you think that's going to be the goal of the game, and and it was just such a well-worked move, and it's something that we've said repeatedly on the podcast about, um, you know, Bruno and Toff linking up and and them really. Cl- really clicking in in a way that I've not seen I've not seen a left-sided pairing at Lincoln do that for for a very very long time um and it was just it was beautiful football um which you know if people want to level the accusation of us being a long ball team out and just point to that goal and say there you go watch that long ball teams don't necessarily do that and it was um it, it was a really you know great cross and uh you know, uh, Anderson getting on the end of it. The way that he lost his marker, I thought was brilliant actually as well, to be fair. He was, you know, sort of floating in from the right and then just sprinted away from his marker and, and hit it in. And uh, yeah, really, really good goal. I was, I was um, really, really chuffed with that. Yeah, I think the way he lost his marker was actually similar to the way that their lad lost his marker for their equaliser. He lost Bruno, didn't he, in the area? Mm. And you see two sides of the coin. We we look at the goal and we go, oh, Harry's done really well there. And then we look at the Northampton goal and go, oh, Bruno should have done better there. And that, you know, that's perspective, mm. isn't it? Um, yeah. I thought it was probably the second best goal of the game. Um, arguably it could be classed as the best because some people like to see the long range drives, the speculative efforts. Other people like to see well-worked team goals. You know, there was the back heel in it. There was a certain symmetry and, and, and connection between all the players. Um, really encouraging to see three goals from open play. And I think mm. that's something that we've not done as well. We're, you know, we're great on set pieces. We score all the last minute winners. Um, but it, yeah, there was a lot of encouraging signs. And you, know, you look at Tom Pett's goal as well. Now, people have told me it was an Akindi knockdown. I don't think it was. I've looked at the replay. I think Akindi goes for the header and I think the defender knocks it down to, to Tom Pett. Um, but that for me was the goal of the game because he's hit it so hard, so low, it's impossible to save. Bruno's just took mm. a deflection. Great goal. It's one goal of the round. Yeah, okay. You know, more for what it, what it signified more for the fact it was a last minute winner. But for me, Tom Petz was the goal of the game. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, you know, Petz obviously, it was a daisy cutter, wasn't it? You know, it was hit so, so, so sweetly. Um, and, you know, to, to get that level of control on it, it's not the first time he's done it. And it's not, hopefully it's not gonna be the last time he'll do it for us either. Like his, um, his goal earlier in the season when he, he hit it with such force, you know, the keeper managed to get a hand, well, Keeper managed to basically get his body in front of it, but I think the ball actually went through him. It was that, you know, struck that sweetly. Um, but yeah, I think to me, I think um, I, I'm not 100% convinced that that Bruno's did take a deflection. I've, I've watched that replay a few times and I'm just sat there going, 
it t- did it come off the the other guy or did he did he just sit that sweetly? I don't know, but either way, you know, three three really impressive goals, like you say, from open play. I don't think we can uh, have any complaints whatsoever about that. It was a it was a fantastic game um, of, of football to watch. You know, for for a neutral. But for a Lincoln fan, it was, I thought it was just a, a really good day. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't marred by anything. Obviously, there was the, you know, the red card in the 99th minute, but I don't think that really took any shine off anything, to be honest. It was, um, Harsh red it was card. a stupid. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, I thought at the time it was, um, you know, he, he got sent off because he was involved in a bit of, you know, afterward, uh, afters with other people. But looking at it, it, it just seems like he, you know, ran at Pet, knocked him over, and the ref was immediately pulling out a red card. Um, Tomo obviously said in commentary, which is on the BBC highlights, as soon as he went into me, he goes, oh, that's a red card. And I'm, I mean, letter of the law, maybe violent conduct. I don't know. It was, um, I, I, I don't think I would have had any complaints if it was one of our lads that had been sent off for that, but. I think yeah, I can see what it's. It's sorry, it's it's the flip side to kind of the Ellis Chapman one, isn't it? Because you see mm. the Ellis Chapman sending off a couple of weeks ago, and you go, "Oh, letter of the law looks bad." And then there's us as fans going, "Well, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt." I'd actually give Marius the benefit of the doubt. I think what he's done is foolish because he's run fifteen, twenty yards to get involved in something that they've got the free kick. The referee's given it. It wasn't a cynical foul. Tom Pep was booked for it. So it's stupidity mm. that's got him sent off. The fact is, you know, if 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 he runs into Pet like that when Pet's got the ball, um, does Pet go over as easily? And I'm not saying Pet, I'm not saying he dived, but all I'm saying is that in that situation, I, I personally, I, I think it's a harsh red card, and you know, it, it didn't affect anything. But I think if if it had been against us in the tenth minute of a game and not in the ninetieth minute of a game, I think I'd be um, I'd be pretty pissed off to be honest. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when you've got something that's that late on in the game, it's not going to affect the result by any means. But um, yeah, I, I was just, I was really pleased to see us come away with with that win. And uh, I, I, I did text you actually asking for the lottery results, but so uh, you didn't, you didn't get back to me because obviously, you know, you, you called three two before the game. Yeah, the lottery's not my strong point, I'm afraid. <laughs> I suppose it's easier to predict two numbers than six, isn't it? Yeah, but do you know what? I actually, I did base it on a few things. And I, I remember the game we played against Northampton before that was 3-2 at Central Bank. And so that kind of always um, always sticks in my mind when we play them. And funnily enough, we won that through a last-minute goal as well. Um, not quite a Bruno Andrade goal. It was a Marcus Richardson toe poke, I think. But <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I think it was more luck than judgment. But, you know, it wasn't the only FA Cup win. And, I, you know... Quite keen to highlight this. The youth, the under 18 side, obviously beat South Shields um, Tuesday night in the FA Cup as well. And I think there's, there's as many positives to take from that. Um, the boy Jordan Anabio Smith hit a, a hat trick. Um, and when you're standing out in a team that features Ellis Chapman, who's clearly you know playing with a maturity beyond his years, I think it's exciting. So. Yeah, that was um, it. Was on the BBC Radio Lincolnshire, which I thought was a really good. Um, really good thing for them to do. It was nice to see the you know the lads getting on, getting coverage on on a show that normally is is focused on you know the gossip or the talk if there's no senior games on, but the fact that they they actually put them on was really good. You know they had um, Toff was there on commentary. I saw on Twitter they were showing that uh, you know quite a few members of the first team were in the stands for the game. Um, it was just really nice to see, and I think you know it sounded like we played 
like lads played well. Danny was in the stands as well, apparently getting quite involved. Um, and it was, yeah, obviously, you know, Adebayo Smith is uh, is one that I'm not going to lie. He's currently in my uh, in my first team on Football Manager as a you know as a as a squad rotation player um, because he's impressed. And it, it, you know, obviously, Football Manager isn't always true to life, but. It's it's interesting to see how he's you know how he's coming on in, in the youth team um, and like you say with Ellis Chapman involved uh, in the squad on Tuesday night or in the game on Tuesday night the fact that Adebayo Smith has has done well as well as he did and you know scoring a hat trick he's taken the headlines away from Lincoln Field first team or in a youth team game you know it was uh, yeah, it was really impressive to listen to there's Tim Akinola there's Elliot Sartorius um, there's a lad on the left called Bucci I think his name is B U W C I you know there's just there's just quality throughout the under 18s and they won't all make it um, but I've written about it um, Wednesday uh, today as it is um, the the shades of that. Keith side of 92 which oddly had Darren Chapman in it um Ellis's dad Adebayo Smith is of Nigerian descent and we had a, a player of Nigerian descent at that time called Cassio Sini who I think uh, any of the youth team players at the time seemed to think that Sini was about 26 or 27 trying to pass himself off as a 17 year old um but that was also Darren Huckabee Bendix and Matt Carbon you know some Steve Williams I think came through at that time Steve Parkinson might have been just before lot of good players and you know if we can get half of that sort of quality through and into our first team this time round we'll be doing very well yeah yeah it was um i say it was it was really nice to listen to um and top marks radio lincolnshire as i say for, for putting that on yeah, all right you have but, to transfer or something well no you know i just thought it was <laughs> it was nice to see <laughs> i know rob okay i know rob does listen so uh, hello rob um anyway uh, we'll we'll talk about the the cup draw. Uh, obviously, you know. Actually, let's let's set aside ten seconds to talk about something else. We're through to the next round of the Czech Trade Trophy, Done. and we're through to the next round of the FA Cup. So the draw was on Monday. Um, <laughs> we've 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 drawn Carlisle. Um, what uh, what are your thoughts? How how do you see it playing out? Obviously, you know it's. It's a chance to make amends for whoever it was that uh, didn't turn the water on for Danny in the in the league game. <laughs> well, first of all, actually, I'll just go back to that silence. Tell you something: we win two more games in the Czech Trade Trophy, and we'll be full of it. Thinking of Wembley again, I will be because I I am a self proclaimed <laughs> Czech Trade hypocrite. Um, you know, I, I couldn't care less about it at the minute, but if it suddenly looks like we do care about it, then I'll I'll reignite my interest. I'm not a boycotter, and um, but no, the FA Cup draw. Um, I my missus who, who doesn't really you know she, she doesn't fully understand football um she said to me what do you want in the draw and I said we want either Sunderland or Way or somebody below us in the league at home and when you top that's another league you know any one of the 23 league 2 teams didn't want anybody from the non league home or away because there's a potential banana skin there you know they're up for it and it it kind of transcends form didn't want anyone from league 1 certainly not away who wants to go to Barnsley they you know they lose managers jobs don't they um, hmm. beat them 4-0. So for me, it's the perfect draw. It really is. It's a non-entity game. Nobody's going to pay attention to it. Um, Ashley Naderson is suspended. Uh, not suspended, sorry. Uh, he hasn't been given permission by Fleetwood to play. They're still in the competition. So if they'd gone out, maybe he would have been given that permission, but they're still in the competition. So um, it doesn't look like he'll play either. That's just a great tie. Okay. Great chance to get back on the horse, as they say, against the Cumbrians. Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was one of those where as soon as it got drawn, I just thought, 
okay, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, nobody wants to take anything for granted, as we've seen uh, so far this season with some of the results, but it's uh, it's a winnable tie. Um, you know, I mean, I think a couple of years ago, we thought every tie was winnable. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's a tie that could see us get to a round again where, you know, we could possibly be in the in the hat with the big boys again. Maybe you know a trip to uh, trip to Spurs, New uh another trip to Wembley rather. Um, quite early on would be quite interesting. But we'll um, obviously you know we'll, we'll talk about that nearer the time. Um, yeah, we haven't. I think, like you say, yeah, I was going to say you know I, I think it's um, it's a good tie. It's a, it's a really good uh, draw for us. I'd, I'd, um, I'll tell you why as well. Another th- another reason why it is such a good draw is because we will already know them, and there's no magic of the FA Cup in playing Carlisle at home. And I know that sounds ridiculous, given that we've just scored the last minute winner. But you know, there's no Geisley. There's no. It, it's it's just that. I mean, I've just said it. It's just that nondescriptness about it. You know, it's just mm. that is what essentially we we needed. We we're not the story at the moment. But getting to the third round or the fourth round will be the story at the moment. Yeah. At the moment, we're the we're the subplot. You know, we're the ones yeah. that people go, oh, look, Lincoln, who had a good FA Cup run, have got beaten by Geisley or have been held to a draw by. Salford or, or whatever. So yeah, great. I'm sorry to cut you off there, mate, but I just, I can't, I'm not saying in an arrogant way, this is a game that we're going to win. I'm saying in a more competent, a more comfortable way that it's a game that doesn't have any of the unknown elements about it. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, it's that, it's that sort of, you know, like you said, if we'd have drawn a non-league team, it would have been a potential banana skin. There was loads of potential connotations where we would have been either the underdogs you know, and I think when you get to you know round you know round two of the FA Cup or the first round, if you get drawn against a team in in, in League One, you've you've got that kind of oh, technically they're only a few places above us, so it's not really we're not really the underdogs. They might edge the quality a little bit, and you know it, it is that sort of nothing game. And I think the fact that we've got a draw that could be argued as a relatively nothing game in the grand scheme of it, you know, you're not going to the neutrals aren't going to look out for Lincoln Carlisle when they look at the the score lines, you know, as they come through on the, on Soccer Saturday. You know, it's going to be it's going to be oh okay, fair enough. That's that's just another one of the the next round of games. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that game. Um, but like I said, we'll we'll talk about that uh, after the Mansfield game. So without a game this Saturday, which by the way I still maintain is a ridiculous ruling um, from you know. You get three players on international duty. You can call you can call your game off. It's like, well, what happens if we've got four first team players crocked? You know, which at one point a couple of weeks ago it looked like we might well have. You know, we can't call our games off if we've got first team players out of the picture. But you can get you know you can get a game called off if you've got three people playing for I don't know the Principality of Sealand or whatever it is that they're playing for. You know, it's uh, a FIFA team. <laughs> can't be one of the. It can't be one of the League of Nations sides like. Um, Cornwall or the Seychelles or whatever Canary Island and <laughs> I I I actually did a blog or a tweet kind of saying is it is it really on the Mansfield are getting this break and now we're benefiting from it and they're not um Carl Robinson the Oxford manager raised an interesting point because one of his star players and his name escapes me 
uh, also plays for Ireland, Republic or Northern. Again, I haven't really researched this properly. Um, and he's kicking off because he's basically saying, well, if I had three under-21 players in my reserve squad, uh, I could call a game off and rest my senior players. But because I've got one international and he's one of my star players, I miss him every international weekend. So why is it that I can't get the game called off with just one player? Um, I would mm. sympathise with him, but he's a moaning scouse bastard, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. I mean, you know, like I said, I've said this to several people before, I really wish on some of the controversial aspects you'd just hold your tongue and sit on the fence, Gary. <laughs> I've got no problem. By the way, when I say scouse, I've got no problem with Liverpool at all. <laughs> Genuinely, uh, Sam Ashu has done me some, he's not Scouse himself, but he works for Liverpool TV. He's done me some fantastic favours in my lifetime. My best mate Jason owns um, or runs nightclubs or something in Liverpool. When I say Scouse, I genuinely just mean that as a term of affection. It's just, he's one of those sour faced ones, you know, that kind of moans about everything. <laughs> Robinson, that is, not, yeah. not the other. But anyway, let's, shall, shall we press on? <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, we've, um, as I say, without a game, um, we sort of put a call out for a few topics. Uh, we got some good ones, actually. Got uh, a couple that led to uh, something of a spirited discussion um, late at night on Tuesday, which I was hoping to get an early night, and then ended up getting sucked into a decent uh, decent conversation on Twitter, which, you know, I was, I was quite pleased to have that conversation, actually. I thought it was a good, respectful chat. If you have a pop through and, you know, on Twitter and search, uh, search the... Uh, the, the blog and um, you know uh, and myself at Winstano, it was uh, yeah we had some some good points raised and I think it's it's potentially led to another special episode of the podcast shortly but um, yeah we so we got some questions um, the first one is one from uh, the guys at the D three D four podcast which is an excellent podcast uh, dedicated to everything in leagues one and two. Um, they've, uh, you know, they, they've sort of given us a bit of encouragement and, you know, they're, they're from what I understand, they seem, you know, they, they've listened to a few episodes and, um, yeah, it's good to hear from them. So thanks for the question guys. And they've said, if the Cowley brothers were ever to leave Lincoln, are you confident that the club has the solid foundations required to continue the great progress that they've made? Also, if Lincoln were to hit a seriously poor run of form, would you expect attendances to remain close to what they are now? So... I'll let you take the lead on this with the first part. Um, do you feel, you know, that the club has got the foundations now to, to continue the great progress? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that Danny and Nicky are the special ingredient. They're the Colonel's crispy coating on the Southern fried chicken. And I think if, um, if they were to go, I don't think it would be seamless. I mean, you've seen what happened with Dean Smith going at Brentford. That hasn't been seamless. They've, you know, they've sunk, um, quite dramatically. But that's not to say that everything would fall apart. I mean, it kind of touches on what we've just been speaking about with the youth side. You know, we've got good people in and around the youth team, good players, good coaches. You look around the club and, I mean, Liam Scully takes a lot of um, stick because he's visible, because he puts himself out there and answers the questions, because he's a face. He's somebody that, you know, you can direct um, anger at, praise at. And I and I just think all around the club, it's spending that people go, oh, we should have spent that on a striker. But at the end of the day, you don't. A club isn't just the first team. And I remember Kevin Cook, who's not on the board anymore, he interviewed me for Richie Bates' job, um, which I was offered a second interview and turned it down. But Richie would have got it because he's far better than I am. Um, 
And Kevin said to me, he was going, why do you want to work for Lincoln City Football Club? And I, I spoke about the club a little bit. He goes, good. He said, because it's not about the first team. He said, the first team's just part of what we do here. He goes, the fans only see the first team and they think the entire focus is the first team, but it's not. And I think that's something that has progressed phenomenally um, over the last couple of years. So yeah, the foundations are there, but you always need that special ingredient and you know, you get the wrong man in and that's, that undoes the good work because the manager has quite a lot of say. So um, let's just put it this way. I, I had to write an article on football league world this week. Um, three managers that could replace Danny and Nicky Cowley if they were poached. And in the preamble, I made it very, very clear that they would only leave for the West Ham job. So at the end of the day, I'd, at the minute, it says, that were they ever to leave Lincoln? They will leave Lincoln, but I don't think it'll be until we've achieved a lot more than we have now and there's a lot firmer foundations in place. Yeah. Um, yeah, to add to that, I think um, the, the the backroom changes that have been happening, um, even in the short space of time, you know, since we've, uh, since we've achieved the promotion, you know, I think the you only have to walk around the ground to see the 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 level of changes that are happening i mean we you know when we had our chat with alan on the podcast the week beforehand we would um when we went to the ticket office you know we, we said well looking at that now the level of change has just been absolutely phenomenal from going from a a club that's essentially let's be honest a club that was too big for non league in in many ways is now finding its feet in the league and having a a real um not uphill struggle because I think they've they've coped with it very well but there's there's a lot of things that have suddenly come in and they've had to adapt to them in such a way that you know that they're now putting uh they're now putting money into the, the right places they've got the staff in to, to do the right things and I think the, the foundations have been put there um like you say you know you, know, you mentioned Liam um Liam is obviously the the public face of a lot of things, um, and interestingly enough, side note, I uh, I tweeted Liam on Saturday asking if he wanted to come on the podcast, and he said yes, so it's on record now. Um, but the I think the thing is, you know, having somebody that is that public face, um, that is that point of not point of contact as such, but that that focal point for people is it, it is a good thing in some respects. Obviously, you know that there will be other things that people say that that will uh you know that, that make it very easy to disagree with that statement but um i think it's the the word that we used a couple of weeks ago you know we were talking about the money that's coming into the club and we were saying about being sustainable having the money coming in from different avenues and different areas i think personally with the way things are going and the way things have gone um i think that the, the sustainability of the club has been put into such a state now that I don't think I, I don't know I, th- I think that the progress will be continued if if they were you know if, if Danny and Nicky just said right I'm off see you later I can't be asked anymore um, I think there would obviously be a dip because like you say there's always a dip when successful managers leave and uh, you know leave and on whatever terms um, or leave on their own terms you know that there will be a dip as we try and find that replacement but I, I think the the foundation of the club is is so much stronger and so much better than it was than when Danny and Nicky came in, you know, three years ago. Um, it's it's just been a phenomenal change at every level, and it's clear to see that when you walk in and you you see, um, you know, you see the change in the um, 
uh, in the ticket office. You know, when you when you walked in before, you were cooped into a little tiny area where you had to queue outside for half the you know half the day and then all that. But now you go in, it's nice and open, it's airy. You know, you've got a TV on the wall, and it it feels a lot more professional. And I think that's carrying through to to every area of the club at the minute. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Now, to pick up on the second point, um, if we were to hit a seriously poor run of form, would we expect attendances to remain close to what they are now? Yes, because of predominantly we're season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think up till the end of the season, you know, I don't think that we would drop below seven and a half, even if we hit a, a poor run of form. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you look at the FA Cup game, people point to that and go, well, we only got 6,000 for the FA Cup game. Uh, yep, we were the biggest FA Cup first round tie uh, across everybody on the Saturday, at least. I haven't checked the Sunday. Um, there was one result, uh, one game on the Sunday. What was there? Who was that? Paul uh, Vale? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know there was there was one that pipped us on Sunday. Probably Port Vale, Sunderland. And let's face it, Sunderland are an anomaly. Um, but everybody had to pay. And that was the point I was making that uh, to, to the people that were quizzing me about it at the weekend was it's not covered by your season ticket. You, the rest of the attendances this season, bar you know the odd cup game, will be. So I, I, th- I think attendances would only drop were we to get to the end of a season. And I think if you look historically... Um, we've not really had this many season ticket holders ever. So it's hard to draw a comparison to say, well, we started losing in such and such a year and crowds tailed off. Yeah, but, you know, everyone's paid up already. So mm. it'd be interesting to see what would happen next season. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, so we'll move on to uh, the, the next question uh, from Sam. Uh, obviously, Sam Ray uh, was, was previous guest on the on the pod. He says, what's your favourite musical? Go on, then. What's yours? Well, do I, I do. Why is it? My favourite musical is it's it's well, it's a bit of a non-answer, really. Um, it's probably uh, the the South Park movie because it's technically a musical. <laughs> I don't think Sam's looking for the South Park movie. I think he's looking for something a little bit more. Um, I don't know, a little bit more credible. I, I only actually know one musical and my cousin would kill me for that. She runs a music school. She loves all the, all of the musicals. Um, yeah, all of them. Um, but I only know Rocky Horror Picture Show. And even then I only, I liked it cause it had meatloaf in it. I can't stand Rocky Horror. I don't know what it is. I just don't get it. I, I really see, don't get it. Some of the music's brilliant. Damn it, I, Janet. I love you. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's one of those things. It's that and Greece. Like Greece, I do not understand. I never will. Why does the car fly it. off at the end? I, I, I don't understand it. I've never watched it. One interest me. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you want to go, if you want to go down the route of like proper musical, can we include like Disney films in that? Nah, let's just move on. Okay, cool. I'm yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, so the okay. next question comes from yes. um, now. I I, I, I apologise to Charlie because I've written this name a hundred times. She buys the books. She buys the um, the fanzine. Anything that I publish, this this wonderful person buys, and I'm going to make an absolute arse of her second name. And <laughs> I am. Um, so it's a question from Charlie Kamowski. Kalowski. I'll go with that. What do you reckon? Yeah. So, Charlie, my apologies um, and thank you for all of your support. Um, Should the FA Cup game have been better attended given we are going into a bit of a forced break? Or to put it another way, are you guys disappointed the FA Cup game wasn't in the 9,000s? And do you think we can play like that in a league game? Um, 
I think in terms of play like that in a league game, I think cup game always produces a little bit of a different performance. I think it's why we had our great cup run. Um, but in terms of the attendance, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I think you, you've said it in the, the sort of previous question. Um, it would have been nice to see, you know, every season ticket holder sat there with the season ticket and and bringing it, you know, bringing a mate along if they could do. Um, the fact is, it, it was never going to happen. It's it's. It's that point where it's kind of close to Christmas and ultimately, you know, a game against Northampton's not going to bring people in if they've not already committed. Um, 6,000 or so was was a decent attendance. Like you say, it was the, the best the best attended game on the Saturday. Um, I think, it, yeah, it would have been really nice to see the, the bank completely packed, but... Unfortunately, you're not going to get that on a uh, on on a first round tie unless the club drop the ticket prices substantially. Um, there's a call. I know there's a, there's a bit of a call at the moment to to make the next game probably a little bit cheaper um, and and completely pack it out on you know first weekend in December. I to be honest, I think we're going to struggle to to get many more than that on uh, on the you know first weekend in December because it's traditionally. As a Lincoln City fan, the first weekend in December was always, you know, Christmas shopping weekend. We, <laughs> you know, we, we were never going to get to the second round. So cool, right, let's put your Christmas shopping in for that. Um, and I think with it being with it being a league opponent that we've already played at home once this season, yes, there, there'll be plenty of people that want to see us get one over on them. Um, but will it necessarily be one that that brings in you know eight eight and a half nine thousand people in i don't think it will be so maybe temp your expectations a little bit for the attendance in that game but i think you've hit the nail on the head where you've said that if it's not covered under your season ticket we are getting to that point of year where money's going to get tight for people as they start to make plans for you know for christmas and for new year and everything so and of course people you know probably going to save up the money and, and look to buy a massive telly on Black Friday. That's kind of, the, you know, where people's focuses are at this point, I guess. Um, I hate Black Friday. Yeah. A load of rubbish. American top. <laughs> um, I just, I, 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 I don't subscribe to this, make it cheaper. I think that's just people basically begging for charity. And I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but, you know, £15, 6000 so you do the maths quick. You must have a calculator there. Ninety grand. Um, so, so yeah, but bear in mind that your average ticket price when you're fifteen pound for an adult, your average ticket price is probably somewhere closer to ten pound with concessions. Yeah. Um, or eleven pound, uh, and and then you get what? Let's say eight and a half because it would never, it wouldn't be a nine thousand. It, it it just simply wouldn't. So let's say eight and a half, an average ticket price of six or seven pound ago, tenner for adults, five of children. It's not economically viable. And it's all right saying, oh, let's pack the bank. But it, it, that's, it's, I don't know, that's just what idiots say. I, 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 I don't want to call people too much, but it's just such short-sightedness when people say stuff like that. You know, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I think the first round game, actually, there the might have been some scope there, but there wasn't. And we still got 6,000. If that had been 3,000 or 4,000, then it would have backfired, but it wasn't. Still the highest attendance of the Saturday. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm not one that thinks that we should drop the prices. I know we did in National League because at the time, 
you know, we weren't getting the bums on seats. Mm. Um, if we had that time again, I don't think that we would. And it's not because the club don't want to give every, anything back. It's not because the club are too corporate. It's because they're a business and we're customers. And whether you like it or not, that's football. And there we go. I love seeing the bank packed, but you know what? We see it packed for every every week, every single league game at the minute. Um, and I don't doubt that there will be six and a half thousand there, I think, on that first weekend. I'm going, I've cancelled plans to go to Oldham. Um, where we're away, I'm going to Stevenage the week after, and I just I can't afford three games in a week. So because we've got the FA Cup tie, I'm not missing it. It's not a checker trade game. It's got some value and point to it. So you know, yeah, and yeah. you know, I think that's the thing as well. When you've got people that are going to be paying quite a bit for for several games on the trot, I mean, essentially that that's going to be what two home games in a week. If you're not a season ticket holder and you've got a family, you want to go to both of those games. Which one are you going to go to? I mean, obviously, you know, Mansfield's sold out now, but are you going to go to the one that's going to have all the needle and all the, uh, you know, the atmosphere of a completely sold out Central Bank? Or are you going to pay the same amount of money for a game against, you know, Carlisle the following week? If you can, if you're going to go to one of them, you're going to go to the Mansfield game. But anyway. You've not got a choice, though, have you? Well, that's the thing, it's sold out. Well, yeah. So in actual fact, having, having the home game the week after probably is good and if you know a lot will depend then on Mansfield there'll still be some pay on the gate and you know I, I like I like it in December I like it when it's dark and cold and you come out and you know you're straight into town into the pub or whatever I don't do that now because I don't drink I'm a lightweight but <laughs> um dropping on to our next question nice quick fire one Andrew Hammond favorite away ground favorite imp shirt uh I'll let you take the lead on this one my favorite imp shirt is the home uh, the away shirt uh, do you think that's what he's asking I, I was taking it more to mean favourite imp shirt of all time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I knew that. I'm just being a, <laughs> uh, trying to be funny, but it fell flat on its face, so I'm not bother. Uh, I liked the the night three ninety four shirt, Magic Johnson, Steve Mardenborough. Um, I also very much liked. I think it was the thirteen fourteen or the twelve thirteen TSM shirt, twelve thirteen. I think it was. Um, red and white stripes, nice collar, uh, terrible footballers wearing it, playing terrible football, but it was a, a quality kit. <laughs> Easy to say the early 80s added us one because it's stylish as anything. But um, yeah, favourite away ground. It would be easy to go for one of the big ones that we went to. Um, but one that I, I enjoyed travelling to last year uh, was uh, Crew Alexandra for some reason. Okay. I really enjoyed Crew. And Northampton on the first day of this season, although it's a soulless six field with half a side missing, they were very, very friendly and the stewards are incredibly helpful. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, for me, I think the uh, my favourite shirt... <laughs> I can't really look too much further past the 96, 97 shirt because it was the first one I ever owned. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've still got it. I've still got it to this day. It doesn't fit me because I was, you know, 10 and I'm now 32 and fat. But the, um, the, the, that shirt is, is a special shirt. Um, There is also a very special place in my heart for the, uh, the 2003, 2004 um, playoff final shirt, you know, with the, with the embroidered uh, bit on there. It was, um, that was a 50 quid a pop yeah yeah it was yeah i mean it it was expensive um fortunately i was still at the age where my dad was paying for everything but um <laughs> you know that to me was a, that was a shirt for one day but it was given where we'd come from given where we'd started that season um to the point where we may not have started that season 
um, to to come away with that shirt at the end of it with you know Millennium Stadium two thousand four uh, playoff final two thousand three it was it was pretty special. Um, yeah, but all I'd say is, and we're too commercialised now, but we're paying fifty quid a head for a shirt fourteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the way, my favourite away ground, were they still there, would undoubtedly be Gay Meadow at Shrewsbury. Okay. But they're not there. And I loved that ground. Loved, loved it. Um, um, I mean... Next question. I was, well, I was going to say, oh. my, my favourite away ground, um, I've... Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. I'll, I'll just not bother. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, the, the, the obvious answer is going to be, oh, it's the Emirates because we weren't there. But no, um, I think um, for me... The one that sticks in my mind was um, it's really Bellevue um, when we went there. Uh, you know, we, we went to Bellevue. It's not the best ground, but I've got really fond memories of going there on you know a piss wet through horrible winter's evening and coming away with three points. And the bus on the way back was absolutely buzzing. And I think it was that's who know when. Sorry. Two nil. Yeah, it? it was an amazing yeah. night. I think um, I, I can't remember what year it was. Now it must have been two thousand one, two thousand two. It would be. Um, would it be oh three oh four? It might have been, but yeah, I mean, when you know, we we went there and and came back, and it it was like I say, it wasn't the best ground in the world, but it was just one of those special days, special away day, and to me, that's what made it. Um, I think yeah, Bell- Bellevue for me, just for the for that memory and the fact that it's we're never going to be able to repeat it. Um, in terms of you know spectacle outside of the obvious, I think uh, going to um, uh, going to the KC and and taking the first win uh, at the KC away from Hull was was pretty special. Uh, you know, Stuart Bimson penalty. Don't think that'll ever go away anytime soon. Um, but other than that. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really think there's much to to go on from there. For you see, that's interesting because I've basically named the grounds that I like to visit, regardless of what the actual results were. Whereas the grounds that stick in your mind are ones from which we've come away with a win, which really you would think, therefore, I'd be saying maybe Port Vale or um, something like that. So I think I think we've and interestingly we've both interpreted that question slightly differently. Yeah. So, depending on your viewpoint of the word, uh, your definition rather of the word interesting. <laughs> um, so another quick question here because the answer is absolutely straightforward. Ashley Woodhouse, VAR in lower league football. Do we need it? Should we have it? Would we like to see it? I think VAR is in its current guise is is a bit of a cluster. Um, it's something that personally I think the referees need help there's, there's no doubt about it you know without going all Charlie Austin on it it's it, it, they need help and whether that's with VAR or whether it's with something else I think to implement it at the lower league is is too too cost prohibitive um, but I, I don't know where to stand on it to be honest because I, I think in theory Yes, we do need it. Yes, the referees do need help. But in practice, no, like not not in its current guise. No, we don't need VAR because they don't know how to do it yet. Um, it was evident in the World Cup. It was confusing. Sometimes they used it. Sometimes they didn't. Uh, and I'm all for it, for more clarity. You know, I've been quite verbal about 
the Carlisle game when we were denied two clear-cut penalties, whether VAR would have saved Ellis Chapman or not, I, I don't know. That depends on your viewpoint. Um, the referees do need help, but they don't need video equipment being put in at Morecambe uh, and Lincoln and places like that. They need to be full-time. Yeah, um, You can't use video analysis to any degree of clarity. Anybody that's watched iFollow will know this um, uh, and glean any sort of solid information from a, a Twitter feed or a, a, the sort of feed that they farm out around the world. Um, so they need to be full time. And I don't want to take away the unpredictability of football. I want to take away uh, the blatant mistakes. And uh, sometimes I think people get the two mixed up a little bit. They think mm. well, if you want absolute clarity, we've got to have we've, you know, we've got to have video replays. You haven't. You've just got to have referees who are fully trained to do what they do and to a degree, I actually think it should come out and justify why they've made their decisions at the end of a game. I don't think that referees should be ring-fenced and, and kind of spirited away at the end of a game. I think that they should give interviews, whether they were public or whether they were just um, something that was cl- within the club, I don't know. Uh, but VAR is not the answer. But there is a question that needs asking. Um, but yeah, that's not the answer. So no, no, no. Is my yeah, I mean, I think the, the question of it in football as a whole, you know, at, at higher levels, that's a different conversation entirely. But at League Two level, like you say, before we get technology trying to answer all the questions, let's let's get full, you know, let's get full time officials in first off. So Steve Simioli is next. Um, he has said he would be particularly interested to hear the pod's views on Jess George and his involvement in the club particularly given the negative press he seems to get from Cambridge fans. Now, we had a brief chat off air, I think, here, didn't we? I say I, say, I think. I mean, it was only 40-odd minutes ago, so I should know. Um, <laughs> so we had a brief chat off air. And, and you, I mean, do you want to make an initial comment or are you willing for me for me to run with it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think from where I'm sat, um, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think that the, the views from Cambridge fans, it almost sounds a little bit like, it's it's a bit of divorce um, from them, and they're you know they've obviously going to have some negative things to say about somebody that's left them in somewhat shadowy circumstances. But to, from where I'm sat and from where I'm stood, it sounds a bit like the club are taking them on in a consultancy role rather than you know what I say goes matter. So as long as there's no, um, you, you know, as from from what I understand from Cambridge fans that I've read. As long as there is oversight and as long as there is the communication that's happening both ways there, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it and I will leave the floor open for you. Yeah, well, I, I want a couple of points first because I, I've heard this so-called negativity from Kane fans. Um, I've not seen it myself and I, I don't know if you have. I mean, you, you kind of um, referenced it there. Have you seen, Have you? or is it just the fact that other people are saying negative from Kane fans? Um, I've seen a little bit on some social media um, where I think when it was sort of announced and semi-confirmed, um, there was a few posts um, about it. So, so Jez George stepped down as CEO of Cambridge in February 2018. Um, but for a couple of months, despite being CEO, uh, head of business, Sean Grady at Cambridge, had missed Jez George's name off uh, and the statement regarding restructuring. Now, remember, this is a Cambridge United that sacked Sean Derry immediately after our 0-0 draw there last year. Um, he obviously knew he was going beforehand. It's been a car crash of a club. 
um, and jazz appears to be one of one of the byproducts of that. Now, what what might not get said, and people who don't know who Jez George is as much, we'll give a little bit of background to him. I mean, he's um, been, or he was with Cambridge United for almost 12 years. Um, he, he held a variety of positions. He oversaw the youth team for a while. He was club manager for a while. Um, and while he was club manager, he did some rather extraordinary things, which, again, surprises me. Um, hearing what he did and then hearing Cambridge fans being negative. Um, 80 fans went to a game against Barrow while they were in the National League. Uh, and as a thank you afterwards, out of his own pocket, uh, he paid off for all of their tickets, thought to have been about 1,200 quid. And then he got the players to buy pizza for the supporters for their journey home. Um, he got the fans to join the Supporters Trust. Now, bear in mind, I would lived in Cambridge and worked with a member of the Cambridge Supporters Trust. So I knew quite a bit about Jez. Um, I didn't actually know he'd started working at the club until we played them the other week. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit baffled at the negativity because when I saw that Jez George was working with our club, I was actually thrilled. Now I have met him as well. Um, not in the Lincoln city context at all, but whilst I was poacher, we used to get changed in St. John's ambulance um, room with Bev Gambles. They're girls who used to turn their back. Obviously it's nothing they hadn't seen before, but they hadn't seen anything like this. And anyway, um, Jez had done a walk from Cambridge to Lincoln before the game. And whether he was manager at the time or not, I can't remember. I seem to think that he might have been, but he might have been on the coaching staff. And he kind of came in and he laid on the bed. Um, and, he, you know, he was in bits. He had just walked from Cambridge, for God's sake. His feet were all blistered. Um, but he, he, he showed a certain dedication to the, the, the fundraising that he was doing. Um, he certainly helped revolutionise Cambridge to a degree. Yeah, it's all fallen apart now. But that's not his fault. Yeah, you know, it's, it's if you look, anyone who's got time, Google Cambridge United ownership and just go back. And if anyone can bring to me rock solid proof that Jez George was some sort of negative influence there, then we can talk. Um, and all I can see is he's held nearly every position available at a football club for 12 years. Um, Danny is or clearly a fan because I think it was Jez and Danny that went over to watch the Irish final the other week. Um, there's a suspicion that if you wear a shirt and tie at a football club, you're up to no good. I firmly believe that. Firmly believe that your average Joe on the terraces has a deep lying suspicion of anybody who swans around uh, as, as some form of management that isn't in the dugout. I think Liam gets a lot of negative press because they see him wandering around. Look at Scully wandering around in his shirt and his posh coat. He doesn't know anything. About, do you know what I mean? What does he add to our club? We should have bought another centre mm. forward, a proven goal scorer. Not like that Akindi that scored 60 goals in three seasons. Someone who can score, who knows when. That sort of opinion. I don't think that there's anything to be too suspicious about, to be honest with Jess George. Um, and we, you know, time will tell. I suppose, but I just, I just think some of the negativity, I think it, it's easy to see a post on social media and go, Oh, well he must've been shit then because you know, if anyone looked at Lincoln city banter, they'd definitely get a clear and reasoned view of, um, of Lincoln city, wouldn't they? They, you know, it's there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing everybody on banter. There's some good people there, but then there's the other people there that, you know, are not. So that's my view on just George anyway. So thank you very much for the question. Um, was it Steve? Simioli. Indeed. Okay. Um, so, friend of the pod, Andrew Helson, asks, uh, January transfer window, Danny's previously said he'll only recruit with better players than we have now. Is it time to strengthen the depth of the squad with what could be termed as squad players? Um, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, 
I think, you know, he's obviously said that he's only going to bring in players that are better than what we've already got. I think now if you start looking at players that, that are better than the ones we already have, we are potentially going to be looking at championship level players in some key positions. Um, and that's obviously going to cost the club an awful lot of money, which at the moment I think would probably be a little bit churlish to spend. But having said that, we obviously need, you know, the, the, the past few weeks, despite um, kind of, you know, the, the defence coming out for him, um, it's clear that we need a, a you know, a, a right back sort of understudy. Um, James Wilson has done as good a job as he can do, but he isn't a right back. You know, that's not his trade. He is a centre back. And I think, it's shown, like it, it's obvious that it's shown. Although, as pointed out, he actually had quite a good game on Saturday. He made a couple of really good runs alongside Harry, um, and actually put the cross in for um, the yeah. It was the knockdown for for Pet's goal, wasn't it? Yeah. On on Saturday, so yeah, I yeah. think we we do need to strengthen. Um, we do need to to look at that. But Danny's not going to turn around and go right. We need somebody that's that's okay and probably okay to sit on the bench. He's going to want to buy a player that's hungry for first-team football that will push the likes of Neil Erdley when he's fully fit. Um, I think, let's be honest, I think we're going to have to start looking for somebody to replace Shane McCartan as well. Hmm. I, I find it quite interesting because the question's quite specific. We'll only recruit better players than we have. Is it time to strengthen the depth of the squad? You can improve on the players that we've had without replacing first team regulars. Um, for in, I know you know this hopefully doesn't sound too critical, but for me, Adam Crooks isn't a first team player. Hmm. So you could improve that. You could bring somebody in who is not going to be a first team regular, but who is an improvement on Adam Crooks or Juan Luque. Um, you know, I know people say, well, Luque hasn't had his chance. No, he hasn't had his chance. But he's gone to Bromley and hasn't been in their first team for a while. I think he's injured now. Um, but again, you could improve on that. We could look for a replacement for McCartan as Mensa. Not really. So all of a sudden, you've kind of got like certainly up players that feasibly could leave in January because Lucas is a six-month deal, Mensa's is a loan deal, Adam Crooks is a loan deal. There's three players that could go. And when you bring players in to replace them, they're not necessarily going to be challenging. Uh, when I say not challenging, they're not necessarily going to be replacements rather for Andrade or for Neil Erdley or for uh, Harry Toffolo but they're going to be players that are better than what we have currently. And when you consider the strength that we have on the bench, I actually think that we, we're kind of going to do both the things that Andrew's picked up in the in the question, because I think we will recruit better players than we have now. Um, but I think that that will be strengthening the depth of the squad with squad players. I don't think, I might be wrong, I don't see where we're going to sign a first team player um, in January, because I don't see where we need a first team player in January. I think what we do need is that depth and that flexibility. Almost certainly a right back, but you know, James Wilson had a very good game. And I'm not critical you know, I'm not critical of Wilson as a player at all. And I'm not even that critical of him at right back. He's not a Neil Erdley style right back, but I don't think he's the liability that some people kind of seem to think. Not at all. Yeah, he did have a decent game on Saturday. It wasn't it wasn't Harry and Bru uh, not Harry. Uh, yeah, Harry Toffolo, sorry, and Bruno brilliant. But I don't think Neil and Harry Anderson are, are as in tune as as on the as the guys on the left hand side. So yeah, it'll be interesting in January anyway. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, just just very quickly, your thoughts on on Shane McCartan? Uh bloody brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> in January. 
well, I, I assume he'll still be brilliant in two months' time. Um, I, I, you know, Sean Scannell's picked up a serious injury at Bradford. He's going to be out for a while. The problem is that Bradford have got a huge squad. I think they've got something like 30 first, uh, so-called first-team players or 30 players in the first-team squad, rather. So it, it's going to be interesting. I don't think he's just cut and dried. I think people are looking at how he's playing and looking at how crap Bradford are doing and going, oh, he's going to go. I Don't be so sure. Don't be so sure on that. Okay. Um, and final question to, to wrap it up. Nice little light-hearted question from Steve Nez. When do we get to 100 points? April. <laughs> Late April. I I would probably say, if you're talking cumulatively, maybe maybe next August. <laughs> Funnily enough, this isn't on the uh, on the script. I've actually just had a... I'm on a, a WhatsApp group for Football League World, um, and news comes through all the time for people to claim who are on a shift at the moment. Uh, and it's apparently being reported in Nottingham that Notts County are close to appointing Kevin Nolan as their yes. manager. I have seen that. That is unbelievable. I... <sighs> Bloody hell! So he's been I mean, away. He sorted out his uh, his fondness for you know. Sorry, he sorted out whatever personal issues he might have had at the time. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, I can't I can't get my head around the decisions there. Um, Harry Q will come in and on a you know if we could we'd sign him on a five year contract and then <laughs> getting sacked ten weeks later. Oh man. Anyway, that's going to do us, I think, for this week. Um, Can we just apologise to Lewis Kelly? I mean, Lewis's question was basically, um, we thought probably formed a whole pod, didn't it, with um, a season review. We couldn't possibly do do League 2 justice. We couldn't do the matches in League 2 on one weekend justice, let alone a a mini-season review. But it's something that we might might consider um at a later date certainly yeah i mean i think it's probably a fair point to do to look at you know maybe at the half point uh, halfway point in the season um although i think when that comes around we're probably going to be looking at a big sort of thick and fast games coming in aren't we mm-hmm. but we'll 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 look at it at some point and you know maybe maybe after christmas and the new year we'll we'll look at something around there it was special i suppose with a guest on or something and um, and also just to, to clarify the question from Jack Mulhall or certainly the series of questions and responses that that drew, we haven't ignored those. Um, we touched on it very, very briefly, but they're probably going to form the basis of a, a proper pod um, so that we can go into those in depth. Um, another one maybe that we film alternatively. So how, you know, if you've seen that, we, we haven't missed them out. We're not ignoring them. We're not um, shying away from, from a controversial subject at all. We just um, we want to give it the time it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, that that's a discussion that I'm actually really keen to have. Um, you know, I think that the interesting thing, like I said earlier, was that we managed to have a pretty lengthy discussion on social media without anybody dropping any C-bombs, which was uh, quite unusual. I fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> no, not because it was boring, just because I've, I've been hammering Red Dead and I, yeah, I just I, I just didn't have the stomach for it. But to be fair, when I disappeared, I think I don't think Jack carried on for much longer afterwards. And Jack's an interesting chap. He's... Um, He's got views quite often that are very different to mine, some that are very similar, but he's an imp. He's been there mm. through thick and thin, and every opinion that he has, he backs up with reason rather than abuse or uh, rather than being patronising. Although he does, he can come across as very patronising, as I'm sure Dave Frecklington will tell uh, everybody <laughs> for anyone that saw that uh, that thing. But um, yeah, certainly, you know, Jack never in, intends to. So I think that would be a very good pod. Yeah, cool. Right, well, um, we're touching on an hour, so very quickly, anything you want to plug? 
No, I don't think there is, to be honest. I'm trying to think. I could do with some, yeah, the fanzine's going to be hopefully coming out in the middle of December. So if you're thinking of writing for the fanzine, um, please do start getting some stuff into me. I'm aiming, I haven't got a fixture list handy, but I seem to think it's Morecambe just before Christmas at home. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to get out by then. So anything into me really by the second week of December. Cool. Um, I'll see if I can do a follow-up to Bozzy's Island. Um, yeah, I'd cool. like Bozzy in the jungle, or because um, I could use the same picture. I don't know. If <laughs> Although, funnily enough, I actually did punch a horse the other day um, on Red Dead, and the first thing I thought of was you. Um, I tried to get uh, off. I, t- I tried to get off my horse in Red Dead and pressed the wrong button. I had a body on the back of the horse, and I punched my horse, and the guy fell off, and I punched the guy, and I was actually in a town at the time, and all hell broke loose, and I got a massive, uh, massive bounty on my head. Amazing. Oh dear. Um, as ever, uh, next gen base, just go and go and check that out. Uh, we've got some footage of the new Hitman game, uh, which is out now. It's brilliant. Um, and red dead and, uh, bizarrely I've had Hitman and red dead sat in my PlayStation or sat, you know, on my PlayStation for the past, uh, past four or five days. And I've been playing a lot of Tetris cause there's a new Tetris game out and I love Tetris. Anyway, that's another conversation for another podcast. Um, and we will uh, we'll see you guys next week, hopefully. All right, guys. See you later. Bye. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.